This episode contains subject matter that may be triggering or upsetting for some listeners. More details, including timestamps, are located in the description. Stay safe. You're uh, good. Anyway. It was good. It wasn't as bad as my Christopher Walken What impression. the fuck was that? I don't know. I have not done anything creative in a very long time, so my accent bank is running a little thin. That's okay, mate. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No worries, mate. The, old, the one thing that I can say with an accent is imitating this Australian guy that I met in Florence what? who called um, fizzy water Italian water. What? Italian water. Italian water. Italian water. Italian water. It's the best. Italian water. Italian Quit fucking water. around. <laughs> You had me at... Hell no! Everybody and welcome to You Had Me at Hell No. Hi, I, hi, oh, Allie. Sorry, hi, Mel. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Oh my god! Thank you for joining us today. This is our podcast because uh, we're two millennials during the age of quarantine who had nothing better to do with our time mm-hmm. than to discuss uh, romance movies and yeah. rom coms and discuss why this genre that's clearly geared towards women. Isn't that great for women and other people as well? Yeah, it really uh, doesn't like us. No. And it doesn't like other people as well. It really doesn't. Now, we could also argue that it's more of an industry problem, but still not good. Well, the the content's still being put out there, and that's what we're trying to figure out, because neither of us prefer romance. Allie, what do you prefer? Ooh, give me an action film. How about you, Melanie? I love spooky shit. And the movie that we're going to start today mm-hmm. is a classic. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the the most well-known romance movies ever, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and it's based on one of the most famous romance stories of all time. Correct. We are going to do West Side Story. Um, that's right. That's the entire soundtrack right that's there. That's the whole soundtrack. Um, I had never seen this movie before. Really? Oh, that's right. You told me that. I've never seen it. I had seen this movie many times, but I hadn't seen it in about 10 years. Uh, The last time I saw it was in high school. It, um, what's funny is that's something I heard from multiple people when I was like, oh, I'm going to watch West Side Story for the podcast. They'd be like, oh, I saw that a long time ago. And, but they were all excited that I was going to watch it. Because it's an incredible musical. It's very well done. It's a great adaptation from like stage to screen. It looks great. You can see all the influences that it had on the way we make movies today, the way we use color, the mm-hmm. way we film action, um, etc. It um, doesn't say what's that without its problems, but I think that has more to do with like the story and also um, racism. In Hollywood now, but also it's more specifically in 1961. And we'll definitely get into that because it needs to be discussed. But before we do that, our engineer Tiffer is with mm-hmm. us as well. Hi, Tiffer. Hi, Allie and Mel. Hi. Hi. So we we know and love you. You are a theater kid as well. Are you familiar with West Side Story? I'm in the haven't seen it since high school boat. Oh. Okay. But you do know what the basic plot is. I have seen it. It's beautiful. Love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, very, yeah. racist. We found so- yeah, very racist. Very <laughs> yeah. racist. Yeah. Fa- we found something Tipper like, has seen. Yay! Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. And so with that, that was um, Tipper's pop culture osmosis where he has actually seen the film and will not need to guess what it's about. This is great. We're so, this is wonderful. We're so cultured. Uh, very cultured. I don't want to be rude, but we're very cultured. Very cultured. Two white ladies. Two so white cultured. <laughs> so Oh, boy. Let's get into it, though. All right. Because West Side Story is a really good film. It won a shit ton of Oscars. Mm -hmm. And honestly, with good reason. It is a high-quality movie. It's not without problems, as we said before. But it still holds up, I think. Yeah, there's no dialogue for the first, what, five, ten minutes? Oh, at least 15. But you fully know all of what's happening just from how it's shot, from the music, from the dancing, from what is... It's very much a perfect example of show, don't tell. I agree. And the dancing is so well done in this movie. I 
Let me tell you something. I loved it. And I know it's made fun of a lot now because it's very, like, jumpy and... Um, it's very, like, jazz. How are we going to fight with jazz? But I loved it. I love it. I, I said more than once, Melanie can attest to this, I just kept going, oh, I love dancing! True, she said that at least 20 times. Uh -huh. And so it's about the Jets versus the Sharks. Now, this is... Um, We're in this neighborhood where there's two gangs, the Jets and the Sharks. Mm -hmm. The Jets are the Prim white guys. Primarily Italian, but white. white. Well, primarily Italian, but we do find out that there are other racial groups within that, yeah. including Irish and Arab as well. There's one. Uh, They call one guy... That one Arab. Arab. But that's, I'm not okay with that. No. Also, I don't believe he is because he is the whitest one of all of them. Not that you can't, but like... You can have different heritage and look a certain way because of genetics. Yeah, but still... But it's still not... It's not a cool It's not the way. kind of nickname that we would give someone today based on their racial heritage. It, it, it doesn't feel... Oh, it, it doesn't it feel, feel cool yeah. and it isn't cool. Correct. Don't call people racist nicknames. Don't give people mean nicknames. Yeah. Period. Period. Um, but those are the primarily white jets. Mm -hmm. And then you have the sharks who are Puerto Rican. Yeah. And I, also, there are drawings of, quote, sharks all over to demonstrate <laughs> the shark territory. No one can draw a shark. I They're didn't just, even notice. You totally I did. caught that. They look like Pac-Man with, like, a little tail. Angry fish. They, yeah, that's what they are. I mean, sharks are fish. I guess, but, like, they don't look like the way they were drawing. They didn't even do a dorsal fin. Wow. That's an affront to sharks. Mm -hmm. So the, it's against the white, primarily white, sort of antagonistic jets, and then the... Uh, mainly Puerto Rican sharks. I see I think they antagonize each other equally because mm. basically what we're what we're dropped in on in the midst of the dance fighting is a turf war mm -hmm. and the police are zero help at all. If the police help anyone, they're helping sharks. the Jets, not the Sharks. Oh, they fully help the Jets. The whole there's an entire scene where Lieutenant Shank 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 Lieutenant Shank Shank doesn't matter. Shank whatever. The main lieutenant um He's so shitty to both of them, both gangs, calls them like little hoodlums, like I know you're up to something. But once the sharks leave the basketball like, court. He offers his help and sort of protection to the white jets. Yes. Because he's like, I just want this to be over. If you let me know, we can get your territory. Like he offers to help the whites establish their territory over the Puerto Ricans. Yes. And that is a huge problem. And so then racist. the police officer that's with him, Officer Krupke, is just kind of like a bumbling moron. Doesn't do anything. No, not really. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, uh, just real quick, fuck the police. Um, uh, just r real quick, fuck the police, and, um, unrelated, fuck the police. Uh, and thank you for that educational message, Allie. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm, my sources include, um, Ice Cube and just a general history of the American policing system. Anyway, this white gang, it's like a group of, like, my dad's cousins versus, like, hot, um, Puerto Rican guys. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> I, sure. I don't know. But something to note here is that the, the sharks are, and all of the Puerto Rican characters are so clearly in brown face. Oh my God. Which is really not okay. Not okay. Um, uh, they painted everyone. Everyone. Natalie Wood, Rita Moreno. What, mm -hmm. What's his name? George Shakiris, who's clearly Greek, who mm -hmm. didn't need face paint. Um, and Rita Moreno, famous actress, yeah. Oscar award-winning actress, mm -hmm. who I, is Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah, I was, think she actually is Puerto Rican. She, yeah, she is. And she was, she gave an interview where mm -hmm. she talked about how they just caked it on. Yeah. And if you watch this movie, it's Oof. clearly like Technicolor. We love using color in our sets and our costumes, mm -hmm. but also we thought it wouldn't be obvious that the Latinx people would be. Oh my God! It's separate. just lathered on. Yeah, it is. It's it's so. I mean, if anything, thank you for making your racism so evident, so we know that you're bad. But oof, shit. It's a lot. It's a lot. So um, if you're sensitive to anything like that, maybe don't watch this movie. It's definitely an important movie in the canon of film history and romance. And, like, here's the thing. You, and musical theater. Yeah, it's in, it, there's lots of... You can appreciate something for contributions it's made, or you can recognize 
you can love something and still critique it. Yes. You can appreciate different things about a piece of art that you love. Like, loving a piece of art, loving anything doesn't mean you think everything about it is perfect. That's true. Yeah. And it's important, especially with older movies where throughout the podcast, we're going to run into things like this. Yeah. It's going to happen in Casablanca. Yeah. It's going to happen in pretty much any movie that you're going to see made before 1980, Mm -hmm. really. And even then. Even after 1980. Yeah. Stuff made within the past five years is like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Agreed. Mm-hmm. And especially in the 90s and the, the early aughts, Ooh. there's going to be a lot of token black friend, token gay friend. Mm-hmm. And things like that are harmful in their own right, and yeah. we're going to discuss them when we get to them. But the point is, West Side Story is still a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. but it's about some very serious issues, and that serious issue is racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we meet our main characters, um, Tony, who used to be in the Jets, but he's <laughs> not. And first of all, you think he's going to be Italian? No. He's they, not. They His make name, a big... A big deal out of it because they call him a Polak. So uh-huh. sorry to any Polish people out there. Uh-huh. Um, but also remember there was a time in the United States where if you were Italian or Irish or Polish or Jewish and you count as white passing, you were still thought of as less than. Uh-huh. And Polish people were just one of those groups. So Tony's real name is not Anthony, it's Anton. Uh-huh. And he's Polish. Yeah. And I so just remember that. I didn't pay attention to that. So when he said, my name is Anton, I was like... No, if he's Italian, his name is like Antonio or like Anthony. And she went, he's not Italian. <laughs> like, he's Polish. They call him a Polak. Oh yeah, I didn't pay attention to that. But we meet Tony and then we meet Maria, who is the younger sister of Bernardo, Bernardo who's the leader of the Sharks. Uh-huh. And Ooh. it's played by Natalie Wood. Not, not Puerto Rican. No, Russian. Russian. Very Russian. Her name's like Natalia. I looked it up. and We looked it up, but... So as someone with that heritage can confirm. Mm-hmm. Very much a Russian woman. And she's she's a great actress. I think her accent is passable. She <laughs> does a gr- it's passable. She does a good job acting. She yeah. just doesn't need to be in brown face and she doesn't need to be playing this person. Yes. That being said, she's a phenomenal actor. Very talented, but still it's one of those words like what talented Puerto Rican actress did we pass up for this part? You know? Exactly. Um exactly. Rita Moreno. Won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for this performance. She egotted. It, yeah, she two of her, half of her egot comes from this movie, and it's incredibly well deserved. I Lina agree. Her is performance incredible. Is honestly, better than Natalie Wood. Yeah, that's better. why. That's why she got it, and not Natalie. No offense, Natalie. We are also. Ooh. Should we address how Natalie Wood was murdered by her then-husband, Robert Wagner, and how Christopher Walken definitely knows something but won't tell us? I think we just did, and we're going to let that hang in the air, and you can look it up if you want to. Um, the moral of the story is they were on a boat. Everyone knew Natalie Wood didn't swim and mm-hmm. was kind of afraid of the water. Mm-hmm. She and Robert Wagner got into a fight, and the next morning they found her floating dead in the ocean. Mm-hmm. So do with that what you will. Yeah. Anyway... So, and this, uh, we may have already said this, but this is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. We did not already say that, but this is important to the story because it doesn't end the way Romeo and Juliet ends. Also, we're going to spoil Romeo and Juliet, but also it's been around for like, what, 300 years? 500 years. Yeah, so just get with it. (laughs) Also, it's been done to death. If you have gone this long in your life. Where have I been? I don't know, babe. <sighs> Melanie's in a wagon on her way to the west. Uh, that's where Melanie that's is. That's right. My brain um, is just... Um, but uh, th- uh, also, if you've gone this long and you don't know the plot of Romeo and Juliet, pay attention to one English class, babe. Or I don't want to shame you. No, shame them. I don't want to shame you, but it's also... it's. I'm not shaming you. It's more just that it's the most overdone Shakespeare play. And also, no one does it right. There, this is a tr- the reason why it's tragic is because these are idiot teenagers. This isn't like the most beautiful prose ever written. Like Shakespeare has better shit that's about love. What makes this work and what makes it sad is because it's about horny teenagers who kill themselves. Who kill the themselves because they can't communicate. <laughs> that's that's essentially that's the plot. that's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I will say that the communication in West Side Story is way better than Romeo and Juliet. And it still ends tragically. It still ends tragically. Also, I don't want to say that, like, the reason someone would commit suicide is because they can't communicate. Like, they're... No, that's not at all That's it. not at all what I'm trying to Romeo say. Romeo and Juliet's very different than that. Yeah. Also, so I don't want to diminish... To I don't want to minimize the severity of suicide. Also, no. It's, there's never... 
there's never a bad reason to not commit suicide. I just want to say that. Yeah. So um, stay alive, please. We want you here. If for nothing else, just to spite people. <laughs> and there just you have it. Just as someone who has chosen that more than once in their life. Just stick, just, your, stick your stake into the ground. They all expect me to do this. Fuck you. <laughs> And it did, and if if that and keeps here you, we are today. yeah, that kept me alive enough to talk to someone and have them be like, oh, okay, maybe we should try something else, and then they did. Thank you for sharing that, Allie. Thank you. So, um, but so the point brave. is, is that Romeo and Ju- in Romeo and Juliet specifically, yes, Romeo thinks that Juliet is dead. She's not dead. She faked her death so that they could be together, but it wasn't communicated to him. So his dumbass thinks that she's dead. He kills himself. On top of her, she wakes up, realizes that he has done this, and then she does it to herself because she doesn't want to be without him. Boo-hoo mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. Um, that is not how West Side Story ends. No. Spoilers. Spoiler for West Side Story. Um, but we meet these two gangs. We're back in the West Side of New York, yeah. Upper West Side. And um, it's really hard to tell if they're in high school or not. Because everyone <laughs> is 45 years old. Yes. And and the main, the meet cute between Tony and Maria happens at a dance. Oh, my God. I loved this dance because they're trying to, like, it's just an example of when choreography is really great. And it I also is. did. And costume design. Costume design. Everything in it is so the way the colors switch, the way different techniques used to. It's very early sixties. Very early sixties, but like, oh guys, we got this filter we can use. But guess what? They used it right, and I enjoyed it. They did. Um, um, but what happens is that they're at a dance. Um, Maria's super excited because apparently she's like never been out of the apartment because she's newer to America than Bernardo mm-hmm. and Rita Moreno because they're a couple, and so mm-hmm. they go to the dance. Tony and Maria see each other from across the room, and it's just, like, magnetism. They're yeah. drawn towards each other, and they dance, and then they kiss, and that's when everyone's like, no! No! I will say, probably my favorite part of the scene, though, is when, because the Jets and the Sharks, like, the leader of the dance is trying to get them to dance with each other, and they keep not doing that. And at one point, they just yell, Mambo! at each other, as, like... Yes. I, I laughed so hard. That should be it's the new so go-to. If you don't funny. want someone to touch you, just go mambo, mambo, and uh, then dance the mambo. Like just Rita Moreno your way out of that fucking room. That's right. So she goes there with her betrothed Chino, who seems like a well enough. Honestly, guy. Chino was like, hot. Chino was hot. Oh, he was. It's very much like a Pocahontas Cocoum type of situation. She should have been with Cocoum. Also, Pocahontas is a super racist movie. Well, well, listen. We'll get to that boat when we'll we'll, boat? Get, we'll get to that bridge when we cry. We'll get to we'll get to that boat when we colonize those lands. <laughs> no. Allie's head is on the table. Oh, she is angry that I made that joke. Also, if you are, are like, is that movie? If it's Pocahontas racist, remember that you know who played John Smith. Mel Gibson. Well, just because Mel Gibson was part of a project doesn't make the whole project racist. I know, but it doesn't help. <laughs> I mean, no bones about it from me. He hates my people. God. His, anyway. And we share a name. Oh, no. One of my friends, did I ever tell you, one of my friends, for the longest time, her little sister thought that I was Mel Gibson. <laughs> because. Wait, what? This is a shout out to my friend Becky and her sister what? Kendall. What? Becky and I used we to have... Ta- we're also not talking about the movie at all, but I need but to hear this, the story. <laughs> this needs to be said. We used to have slumber parties, and one of our favorite activities was to watch the Lethal Weapon movies without sound and, like, make up dialogue mm-hmm. while we were watching Lethal Weapon. Oh, God. And so her sister, for the longest time, thought that I was Mel Gibson because my name is Mel. Oh. And we found this out years later because one day she was like, see you later, Mel Gibson. And I was like... Kendall, Ooh. do you think my last name is Gibson? <laughs> and she says, yeah. And I went, no. Mm-hmm. And she didn't believe me. I had to show her my driver's license. Children are wild. It was really funny. Anyway, Maria ignores Chino and hits on, she, she kisses Tony and then they're broken up with. And it's Bernardo's like, what the fuck? Because they were also already planning to have a meeting with uh, Riff, who is the leader of the Jets, who is Tony's best friend. Uh, Riff already was like, hey, we're going to have a meeting after the dance tonight or a whatever. A war council is a what they A war council. It. Oh, wait, no, it's tomorrow night is when they're going to have the meeting, I think. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. They're having a meeting at midnight. The next day is the rumble. Yes. So okay. the 
what the timeline of events is. Two days. This all happens in two, two days. Two days, which is absolute, absolutely bonksville. It's so but wild. what we're meant to know is that they're at this dance awaiting the moment when these two gangs will talk about how they're going to beat the shit out of each mm-hmm. other. To establish whose territory it is. Yes. Um, which is wild to me. Yeah. And then two people break that tension by falling in love with each other at first sight. Um, and after this, everyone's angry with these two people. They're angry with Tony. They're like, what are you doing? All of the sharks are angry with Maria. They're like, how could you do this to Chino? Mm-hmm. She barely knows Chino. Also, she doesn't even really like Chino. She's 16. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like a high school. Yeah. But they all look so old. They're all 35 years old, which is not an old age, but it is a 1961 when you're playing a 17-year-old. Yeah. Russ Tamblin plays Riff, and honestly... He's conservatively 50 years old. I, I think that's a little much. That was rude. He's conservatively at least 30. He's like our age, probably. So 30? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. It's... But he's an incredible dancer. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Oh, great dancer. So so they, they basically, before this war council, they have it at the local candy shop run by a Doc. lovable old man that they call Doc. And this is where Tony works. Mm-hmm. But Tony. Also, I laughed out loud. Love the war council at the candy shop. That was a, an actual line from the movie. We's going to fight to the death. But first, we're going to meet at the soda shop. We're going to get a sweet treat. It was wild. There's also a scene where they're going to get Tony while he's at work. And Riff <laughs> Riff is pleading with him, like, I know you're not a member of our gang anymore because you got out and you have, like, a good life and you can support yourself. Mm-hmm. But, like, forget about your job and your security. Be racist with us. Come on, you friggin' square. Come be racist with us. Yeah. We're all your best friends. And the nice thing is that Tony has no interest in that. Yeah. Because gang violence is not the answer. No. Um... We won't get into that because it's a whole can of worms and there's a lot to deal with. But also, just be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. That's a hard thing for everyone to do sometimes, but Mm -hmm. it's a thing that everyone should probably try Mm -hmm. to do. That being said, Mm -hmm. Tony then finds out where Maria lives Mm -hmm. and has my favorite number in the whole musical. He sings a song called Maria. Tony really loved this song. It's so good. It's It's so operatic. Mm Honestly, West Side Story is Leonard Bernstein's finest work, lyrics done by Stephen Sondheim, uh-huh. by the way. It's truly a masterpiece. And if you don't think so, then you and I cannot be friends. I'm I do putting like that it. out there now. I know you do, but I'm just saying to like everyone who's listening, if you don't think that West Side Story is Leonard Bernstein's crowning achievement in this life, we cannot be friends. I mean, wouldn't it be wild if this was how our friendship ended? It would be. <laughs> But as you know, I have a lot of hard opinions on very soft things. Again, why we started a podcast. Yes. We have not gotten into this fucking movie. Well, it's a lot of dancing and singing, but he sings this number, which is hauntingly beautiful. It is very pretty. It makes the skin on the back of my neck stand up. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he and Maria talk on her fire escape, and they're talking about isn't this crazy? Like we shouldn't be in love, but we are, mm-hmm. we have to see each other again. It's so hard for us because we're part of these like groups that are rivals. Mm-hmm. They decide they're going to meet the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tony goes to the candy shop and goes into the war council where they're trying to convince him to be a part of it. And he says, no, why yeah. do you, why do you need to do this? Yeah. What is so important to you about beating the shit out of each other? Yeah. And they're like, shut up. And so he yeah, they're like, shut up, Tony, them. you don't understand. He's like, oh, I stopped the rumble because he made it. He convinced them to have it be a one-on-one, like your best guy versus their best guy. Yes, which is a very ancient war technique, by yeah. the way. But he convinced them to do it as a fair fight, yeah, which like, means no weapons. No weapons. But he does this with Bernardo unknowingly agreeing to that because Bernardo thinks he's going to be fighting Tony mm-hmm. because Bernardo hates Tony because he made out with his little sister. Understandable. But instead they're like, no, we're to- fighting. You're fighting. You're fighting ice. Yeah, because Tony's not part of the gang, which was a little dishonest for yeah. the Jets not to make it clear that Tony was not part of their gang. What? What do you mean? The Jets be dishonest? Truly. When you're a Jet, you're a Jet all the way. From your first cigarette till your last dying day. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, in case you guys didn't guess it, they all bring weapons to this rumble that's supposed to be weapon-free. Spoiler. So, 
after so then we we separate from the Jets because they're shitty and terrible. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Bernardo and Rita Moreno, whose character's name I don't remember. Anita? Yes. Yes, Anita. So Bernardo and Anita go back to their apartment building, and that's where we have one of, honestly, the best numbers Oh my god, in the I whole love this show. whole thing! Do you want to talk it's, about it? Uh, I like to be in America. And Everything it's free in America. America. And it's a great thing. It's a great song that's talking about both reasons people... As particularly in that time period, would come immigrate to America, but also the pitfalls of being an immigrant in America, specifically someone, a person of color. Yes, and the immigrant experience in America is truly so dichotomous because on the one hand, the American dream is what motive the, you know, quote unquote American dream is what motivates a lot of people to come to this country Mm -hmm. to try and work their way up from the bottom and get themselves a better life. Mm -hmm. And that is somehow so tampered, uh, especially for people of color who Mm -hmm. immigrate Uh, just from personal experience. Mm -hmm. My family immigrated to the U S in the seventies from Mm -hmm. the former Soviet union Mm Um, and there were a lot of barriers because of the language barrier yeah. in particular, and also because we're Jewish. Mm-hmm. Luckily, they, they went to a part of New York City where that wasn't really a problem, mm-hmm. where they could have that cushion of a Russian-speaking neighborhood, but also be part of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard for all immigrants, because when you come here, you start with nothing. Yeah. You literally work your way up from the bottom, which awesome. is part of the American dream, because once you get to where you're going, it feels so good to have accomplished that, but getting there is so difficult. The thing is, a lot of people, and even like people born in America, who are fighting against racism, who are fighting against poverty, who are fighting against all these things, that a lot of these structures that are holding them down, sort of there's this idea that you need to be grateful for whatever you have instead of being able to recognize like you succeed however you succeed what however you define success you're doing that in spite of these things not because of these things correct and it's also okay to want more and to want better for yourself yeah. you're allowed to be grateful for what you have and simultaneously strive for improvement yeah you're That's it's okay. okay you can be grateful for things you have but also be like hey it also would be great to not be discriminated against in this way. Yes, and that's what this whole number is about uh-huh. because Anita and the women are saying, this is so great that we're finally here. We can have credit cards. We can work our way up. But dream, a credit card. Well, for a lot of people it but is. Right. Yes, no, and sorry. I they're know, saying like, weird. wow, isn't this so great that like we don't have to deal with hurricanes in San Juan. We don't have to deal with terrible medical care because our whole village isn't going to get wiped out by one bout of the flu. Mm-hmm. And the men and Bernardo are saying, yeah, that's great, except because we're brown, people hate us. Yeah, we're also, we're still being denied, like, we're still being denied medical care. We're still being denied, like, proper housing. We're still being denied all these things because yes. we are brown. And in a lot of ways, it may be better than what they came from, but it's still not what they should have. Yes. And uh, it's a great number. It's really They're fun. able to communicate Exactly, that dichotomy and all of these sort of complex... In is a what very works whimsical, about. well-choreographed number. This is what's great. This is when musicals are most effective. This is when any art is most effective, of when they're able to convey a message. They almost sneak it at you. Um, this yes. is any art. Any art can do this. But uh, specifically, and we're talking about specifically like musicals, conveying a more complex idea in a way that might be a little more... I'm hesitant to say palatable because, like, not everything should be easy to digest. Well, it's whimsical and a lot more subtle than it might be in just a regular film. Yes. Um, So that's very effective. Um, It is. And honestly, (laughs) Rita Moreno is so good. Incredible! Cannot stress enough how good she is and how well-deserved her awards She is incredible. I love her so much. She is truly one of, like, what, three people to ever have an EGOT. Incredible. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg and the fictional Tracy Jordan (laughs) are the other two. But um, Rita Moreno is so exceptionally talented. And also, do you want to hear some hot Hollywood goss? Hot goss. And I hate reducing, this is not me trying to reduce a woman to like men she was with. But okay, so she was on and off with Marlon Brando for forever. And he was shitty. He was shitty to her. Marlon Brando shitty? Can you imagine? A man who was notoriously difficult to work with being an equally shitty partner. I cannot imagine. Wow. And so what happened is he would also sometimes cheat on her. He was really shitty to her. And Elvis hit on her one time, sort of like in front front of Marlon Brando. And Marlon was like, don't talk to that guy. Don't you even think about like going and 
hooking up with that guy. And she was like, really? And she had sex with Elvis just to spite Marlon Brando. I hope it was good for you, Rita. I really do. It wasn't. Which is so disappointing to me. I, I'm fine with it because she, when she talks about it, she's like, he was very sweet. But like, she fully describes him as if he were a little boy. Ugh. Ugh. The next day, what is her name? Maria. Super happy. She sings I Feel Pretty because she is in love. And they all think she's talking about Chino. She's not talking she's about not Chino. Spoiler. She's not talking about him. And so that's happening. And then on the Jets side, they sing one of a really fun number, Officer Krupke. Mm-hmm. And it's also another really interesting number because it... If you if you deep dive the way that we deep dove, mm-hmm. it talks about so many social issues because they the Jets basically they get a talking to from Officer Krupke, mm-hmm. and then this number is them making fun but also role playing what would happen to them if they get arrested and go through the system. Yeah, that you know they would talk about their messed up childhoods and mm-hmm. their parentage. And then they would get sent to a psychiatrist who would say that they were sick and they had a social disease. And it was, it's just a very interesting. And at a certain point, no matter what, they kind of would still end up in prison at some point. Yes, they would still end up mm-hmm. not having their freedom mm-hmm. um, because of a world that, in part, they were born into and also the gang life that they chose. Mm-hmm. That often, I suppose, doesn't feel like a choice in that situation yes. as well. And so the song is about that, but it's also very funny. Yeah, and it's but it's 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 both funny but also very sad because it's also a common thing to try to any person who's experienced some kind of trauma. A lot of times, well, it can be healthy to like I don't know if it's healthy, but catharsis using, can be healthy. Catharsis and like using humor to kind of navigate your trauma is a common thing. So on that end, you're, but, and this is like a common thing for a lot of people, kind of like making jokes or sort of being silly about the rough things from their past. So in that aspect, it's very, I think, somewhat funny and kind of charming that these boys are like acting out what would happen to them. But it's also super sad because they aren't able to just actually talk about and explore their feelings. It's almost like we train men to... Um, not be able to process their pain except in violence. It's almost like as a society, we treat everybody like feeling pain is bad, but specifically young men, so then it manifests itself in violence. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know. Oh I mean, maybe God. I'm being weird. I feel like I'm being really weird. I don't know. Does that make sense? So random. I feel like I'm being really, I feel like I'm being so loud. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a fair point, mm-hmm. and it is generally true um also men should not be afraid to feel their feelings because it doesn't make you weak to feel feelings it actually makes you very strong to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable and process things Mm -hmm. because processing trauma is really hard it's it would be weird if it wasn't difficult for you to process exactly there would be much more concern if you were like wow that horrible thing that happened to me i'm fine whatever that's but a, that being said, my mm-hmm. favorite line in the movie happens during this number because Why? they say, hey, Officer Krupke, Krupp you. Oh, I wrote down Krupp you. I it made love, me laugh. I love a good pun for fuck you. Oh, Krupp you. I love I, it. I loved it. Also, like, because it's the 60s and it's this sort of the lingo in this. They call someone me, daddy-o at one point. You got it, daddy-o. If, hey. You never was my age. And the sooner you and your people get hip to that, then we can dig. You dig? And you're like, what? What the? F- what are you saying? Oh, but that scene's really interesting, too, because mm-hmm. it's during the war council after the sharks oh, leave. Oh, yeah. And Doc, this old man, is saying, why do you have to, why do you have to use violence to solve this problem? Mm-hmm. And he says, when I was your age, and also keeping in mind that when this man was their age, he probably fought in World War II against the Nazis or the mm-hmm. Japanese. Yeah. Um, wild shit. Wow. But also, one of the Jets says, okay, well, you never you never were my age, which mm-hmm. is, you know, on its face, not true. Yeah. But the meaning behind it is more, I thought, mm-hmm. you don't understand my situation. I, you I, don't understand mm-hmm. why I've made the choices that I've made. Mm-hmm. I agree with your interpretation because that is something to, maybe you've been my age, but you haven't been my age during the situation where, that I'm currently living in. You haven't been my age in this time. Like, uh, our parents were not, like, as much, like, your parents are always going to be like, I was like this when I was in my 20s. Yeah, but you weren't in your 20s right now. 
Right. Like, you weren't in your 20s during a major recession and international pandemic. Yeah. Like, right now, like, we, as much as we all were 17 at some point, we were never 17 right, right now. now. Anyway, they say they're going to rumble the next day. Maria's in the sort of dress shop where she works with all of her friends and Anita, and she's singing I Feel Pretty, uh, which is very fun. It, okay, something I noticed with West Side Story, I knew a lot more of these songs than I thought I did. It's a huge part of pop culture. Yeah. Like, I just started singing, like, what, mirror, where? I didn't know I had that in my brain, but I did. Um, sneak attack. Sneak attack. Anyway, she's like, oh, Anita, I'll close up the shop. And really, she's just there because Tony is coming in. And something I actually thought was kind of sweet is that Tony's trying to speak Spanish to, like, be more nice, like, to be more respectful. He does. He says, buenas noches. Uh-huh. And then Anita says, well, it's not night. It's buenas tardes because yeah. it's the evening. And yeah. he goes, oh, sorry, buenas tardes, yeah. which is nice. It's honestly sweet. He's trying. And it's, like, is it perfect? No. But it's it- nice to see two people try to transcend this environment that they've been brought up in. Yes. And so they have a thing. It's actually a very... It was a moment where I was like, oh, this is a very sweet kind of way to adapt. Because at this point in the story with Romeo and Juliet, they get married. And what happens is Tony and the way they do it in this movie is that Tony and Maria are sort of role-playing what it would be like to meet their, each other's parents. And they sort of role-play like, oh, and then I would get married. And they sing this very sweet song about what their wedding would be like. And they shift the light, like the lighting shifts in the dress shop to look like a church. Yes, and they're Beautiful. kneeling down. He's wearing a top hat. She's wearing a veil. Mm-hmm. And the light is like, oh, yeah. going down on them. And so they sort of symbolically get married. Yes. Um, very sweet. And, oh, she tells him in this moment, she's like, he's like, well, there's the sort of rumble happening tonight. She's like, no, you need to stop the rumble. And he's like, I did. They're only going to fight. Like, only two guys are going to fight. She's like, no, 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 no. Please, for me, before you visit me tonight, like, stop the rumble. Stop, don't. Well, no, he visits her before the. Yeah. No. That's... Yeah, he visits her before the rumble and they do it. No, they do it after they the rumble. They do it after the rumble? Yes. That's why, that's what I wanted to talk about. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay, oh, so no. he shows up at the rumble to be like, guys, don't fight. And what happens is that it kind of gets a little confused. Things get out of control. Riff jumps in in the fight. Because something happens to I Somehow Riff becomes a part of the fight. Well, the one-on-one man fight gets nullified because Tony shows up and Bernardo tries to fight Tony. Yes. So as soon as Bernardo hits Tony, the original agreement is null and void. And all the, like... Riff goes in on Bernardo. Switchblades come out. Ugh. And, like, I, I love like, a beatnik or, like, a bad boy from the 60s who just, like, James Dean, like, has a switchblade. I love I it. I love it. I love those combs. It's so I, dumb. I don't know if I have have it anymore, but um, back when my hair was shorter, I had one of those where it looks like a switchblade, but it's a comb. And I would comb I my hair. I remember that. And I really felt very cool. Um, but one time I, I thought it was very clearly a comb or whatever. I thought my friends knew me better. And I had a friend in the car, and I went, can I show you something? And I pulled it out. And I went like that, and she shuddered, and she went, Allie, I thought you were showing me a knife. I thought all of a sudden you became someone who was into knives, and I, um... Someone who was into knives. That's me. I'm not. A beautiful craftsmanship, but I'm not a knife. Not a knife, not a knife bitch. Um, but the Jets and the Sharks are knife they bitches. They are knife bitches. Anyway, there's a scuffle, and Riff is killed by Bernardo. With a knife. With a knife, and then Tony loses it. Stabs Bernardo. Uh huh. And everyone's like, oh shit. Everyone's oh, shit. Oh, shit. oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. They all disperse. And there's now a huge power vacuum in both of these groups yes. because both of their leaders are dead. Both of their leaders are dead. And so Tony kind of runs away. He's losing it. And so he's freaking out. He's freaking out because he it, murdered someone. His emotions completely took over. Cooler heads did not prevail. He is now a murderer. He's a murderer. And what happens is... Much like Robert Wagner. Allegedly. I had to get that in there, Allegedly, (laughs) allegedly, allegedly. Christopher Walken, what do you know? Something happened, Christopher Walken knows. Christopher, if you're listening, come forward to the authorities. He does not... I do not know the statute of limitations on this, but please, we need to know. He does not listen to this. I don't think he knows what a podcast is. He lives on a different plane. Anyway, Chino goes to Maria to be like, 
hey, and he's so overcome because he has to tell her that her brother was killed. But not only that her brother was killed, but the guy she clearly loves more than him did it. Yeah, and so what happens is he's having trouble saying it, and she's like, okay, we'll say, if it's hard to say, say it's quickly. He's like, well, at the rumble. And she immediately goes, what happened to Tony? Is Tony okay? And he's fucking pissed. Because he's like, oh, you don't care. I was at that rumble. You don't care. Your brother was murdered, and you only care about the guy that murdered your brother. And that's when he's like, Bernardo has been killed, and Tony killed him. And she's like, no, no, stop lying to me. Um, <laughs> that's a perfect impression. Yeah. That's my impression of Natalie Wood trying to do that accent, I guess. Um, <laughs> and she uh, is really upset. Tony shows up. At her apartment. And she's like, kill her. And Rightfully she does, so. And she does that that early 60s um, weak-wristed woman thing where she, like, hits on his chest. She's like, kill her, kill her. Oh, and he's and like, then just, like, melts into him and they make out and then they fuck. Yeah. After, she also tries to, like, cover it up as, like, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to kill your brother. And she's like, well, okay, I guess we should have sex then. Um, Makes sense to me. <laughs> that is so bananas. He murders her brother and she's like, well... I still haven't had sex. So we'll figure and out. Now something. seems like a good a time as any. Now seems as good a time as any. Anita shows up and is trying to get into the room. And like Maria pushes Tony out. But Anita comes in soon enough to be like, oh, you had sex with Tony. And Anita is like, what the fuck? My boyfriend was murdered and you just slept with his murderer. I'm so mad at you. And rightfully so. And rightfully shortly so. after this, Lieutenant Shrank... Just comes in. Just walks in. No warrant. No warrant, nothing. And he's trying to question Maria. Mm -hmm. um, and they hide Tony. Mm -hmm. And Anita doesn't want to, but she does it for Maria. She does it for Maria. And what is happening is Tony and Maria are going to meet at the candy shop later to... Um, run away together. To run away together. Tony's going to get money from Doc. They're going to run away together. And so... And Tony's hiding in the basement of the candy shop because he is now a wanted criminal because he murdered someone and maria is like i'm gonna talk to the police and sort of in code is like will you go talk to tony for me and tell him that i'm gonna be late because i'm doing and this honestly lieutenant shrank is a bad cop because literally what maria says is oh i was going to pick up some aspirin mm -hmm. at the drugstore can you go tell doc my aspirin is there mm -hmm. and that you're picking it up for me. Yeah. Like, hello, what? use your brain. It's almost like, um, it's almost like, it's almost like he was a racist cop and, uh, who didn't follow the law. And almost like a racist cop who used his position of power to harass brown people. Anyway. So he does this bullshit, this bullshit questioning of Maria. He ends up leaving, Suspecting, but having no proof mm -hmm. um, as, you know. And what happens is Anita goes and the, the jets have filled the candy shop. And she's going to try to talk to Tony. She does not know all the jets are going to be there. No. So she shows up. And they harass her. They're close to assaulting. Like, well, they do assault her, but they're close to probably committing some kind of sexual, se assault. sexual violence they, against her. And just for anyone who needs to know, assault means making someone feel unsafe physically or physically harming someone in some way. And yes. that is exactly what they do to her. Yes. They push her around. They shove her. They kind of hit her. Mm -hmm. And she ends up cursing all of them. And she doesn't get to talk to Tony because no. what she was going to do is stopped by this. And after she runs away, after cursing their name, essentially, mm -hmm. Doc. Oh, but, but the big thing is she says, like, oh, you can tell your friend Tony oh, that Maria's right. not going to come by because she's, she's fucking dead. dead. That's right. Because, I mean, she's she's upset. Mm -hmm. Her lover was just murdered, mm -hmm. and she's somehow in a position where she's trying to protect his murderer. Oh, yeah. Which is fucked up. And so what she says is like, Chino found out that she was dating your little fucking friend and, and, killed, she, her. and killed her. So I hope you're fucking happy. And then, like, runs away. She doesn't say that. Well, but she essentially says she that. She says that, but in a better... Without fucks. Without the words that I used, and in a Rita Moreno delivery, so good. Yes. So, like, talented and good. Yes. Um, and so now, Tony, 
Doc has to break the news to Tony that Maria's dead. Mm-hmm. There's no verification. No. He just blindly believes it. Mm-hmm. And then Tony decides that he wants Chino to kill him too. So he takes to the streets and he's like, Chino, mm-hmm. come get me too, Chino. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. And, and then, then what happens is he sees Maria and they're running to each other across like a basketball court, really. And as they're running to each other, that's when Chino, who has been called, comes out, fires his gun, and shoots Tony. Tony in the back. Tony in the back. And Maria's like, no! And holds Tony in her arms as he's dying. And both of the gangs, the and Jets and the Sharks, come there. With both the scarf around her head and looking, the way the lighting is, it's very, it's very um, like, Jesus-y. It's, it's close to the Pietra. I don't Pietra? fucking know. Pietra? Um, it's the it's a it's a famous uh, sculpture by Michelangelo. I don't know if you know this. He was uh, Italian. Um, he carved the Holy Virgin Mother Mary holding her dead son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that one! Mm-hmm. I saw that one. <laughs> they all look the same to me. I am so sorry. <laughs> But it's a very uh, Renaissance era Jesus, mother yeah. of Jesus type moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially in this death scene, Maria does not kill herself. No. Spoiler! I truly thought she was going to kill herself because of the story. But instead, all the jets and the sharks gather around. And everyone's really emotional and yeah. sad. And this is the moment where they realize essentially, oh... What we have been doing is wrong because these two people we didn't want to... Well, this person that shouldn't have died Died. is now dead because of our behavior. Yeah, and a very uh, lovely, again, a great show-don't-tell moment because after after Maria's like, don't touch him, stop, get away, the jets come by and they start to lift him and they sort of drop him and then some of the sharks come by and and help help them carry Tony away. But before this, Maria has a really amazing monologue where she takes... Chino's gun and she says how many shots are left in this Mm -hmm. and he's like I don't know and she says good because I need one bullet for you and one for you and one for you and one for me because I used to have love in my heart and now that you've killed the only person I truly loved with your hatred now my heart is only filled with hate Mm -hmm. and it's your fault yeah which is legit very it's a it's very well done and uh it's heartbreaking it is really sad um, really sad it ends, and they've all kind of sort of learned their lesson, but at the expense of multiple lives. Correct. They, they didn't learn it before. Not learn it, but this sort of understanding didn't come until so many of them have died. Which is extremely unfortunate, but illustrative of the damage that these attitudes can have. Yes. That's the end of West Side Story. And overall, I think I liked it. I think um, th- it definitely has problems. Agreed. Um, definitely does. But particularly for that time, um, it was a kind of a big deal. The fact that anyone was willing to like actually sort of talk about race relations in a Broadway musical, good job. Um, I agree. And also it's still not good. Again, we're allowed to critique it. You're allowed to be mad at this musical. You're allowed to be You're allowed something. to like it and find things that are not great with it. Yes. Um, and also I think it, it should be said here. When you're, and I consider film to be a kind of literature. So if mm-hmm. you disagree with that, uh, I, I don't know how to help you. But film is a type of literature. And when you're critiquing literature, there are basically two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. And one of them is to take the piece for what it is in the microcosm of the fictional world that you are examining. Mm-hmm. And the other school of thought is to place it within its context. Mm-hmm. I myself am a big believer in context. Mm-hmm. Context is king. That's what I always used to tell my students. Mm-hmm. So that's important. And when we're looking at this, film in the context of the late 50s early 60s -hmm. in New York City Mm -hmm. then the message of the film may not necessarily be what we want it to be today Mm -hmm. but your point still stands that it's a really interesting and bold view of race relations in that time Mm. and it's also like um, it doesn't mean that it's okay is it missing certain levels of nuance is it still whitewashed as hell yes but the fact that like Someone thought, okay, we have this sort of classic story, Romeo and Juliet, and it can and should be updated for modern times. We could use this as a way to sort of address or somewhat at least attempt to examine this thing that's happening currently in our like neighborhoods. And I think it's a really 
bold, important idea. And also, you were doing some research earlier mm -hmm. about the original oh, idea. The orig originally, it was going to be um, Irish Catholic versus uh, sort of a Jewish group. And Yeah, um, a Jewish family that came from a Holocaust survivor yes. and then an Irish Catholic immigrated family yes. in New York City, in which York is, City. you know, a tale as old as time mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned in New mm -hmm. York City. But that would have been a really interesting way to do it as well. It's a story that's important, but I don't know if it would have been as effective, particular, speaking as a Jewish person mm -hmm. whose family has intergenerational trauma mm -hmm. because of anti-Semitism, mm -hmm. that level of trauma of being a Holocaust survivor p would put this story on a completely different immigration level than I Like to Be in America has. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm almost kind of glad that the West Side Story we have today is what we have because I, I think it's a lot more digestible. I, 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 yeah. And a lot less trauma heavy. Also, in, it's intentionally so. Like, Correct. the reason they, they make these songs this way is so they can sort of, in a palatable way, address these issues in a way the audience is like, oh. And, and sometimes that is, I do think that sometimes things like that can kind of be a problem because we still have people who are like singing, I like to be in America being like, I do like to be in America. Like my aunts and uncles being like, we love to be in America. And it's like, well, there are, I feel like we're forgetting half the song. <laughs> we're just not listening to half the song. But uh, it is uh, effective and it's, I mean, it could definitely use an update and apparently there is one coming. Steven Spielberg, <laughs> and he has... And again, we can't critique something that has we haven't seen yet, we haven't hasn't come out yet. Correct, but we definitely are formulating some opinions because of the press that's coming out about it, and Spielberg has said multiple times that he doesn't want to whitewash this. Guess who he cast as Tony? Ansel Elgort. Ew. Well, here's the thing. Tony is white, but he's... Yeah, but Tony's also Polish, and Ansel Elgort's, like, Dutch or some shit. I don't, I don't really give a shit what Ansel Elgort is... I guess, in that aspect, I just, uh, my main concern is that he's not an actor that I like. I find him to be charmless. I agree. Uh, he kind of, baby, he lost, Baby Driver kind of lost me because he was the Baby Driver. And let me tell you, don't give a shit. I can listen to cute music too, you dumb asshole. That's right. Uh, and drive just <laughs> as recklessly. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're a good driver. Okay. We don't need to lie to these people. You're an all right driver. <laughs> <laughs> she drove us here. <laughs> um, I'm, but I'm great. These, these are things that we're looking forward to, I guess. Looking forward to is a strong term. We're not looking forward. It'll be interesting to see what Steven Spielberg does with it. Because West Side Story it. is allegedly Steven Spielberg's favorite movie. Yeah, I think it's, one of, it's also one of Michael Bay's favorite movies. And if you watch the way certain shots are constructed, you can see that influence in both of the work of both of these men and the yeah. way they film action. Transformers, Part West Side Story, same movie. But like particularly Michael Bay's work, the way he uses perspective to increase sort of the scale of something. Yeah, that's what I said. Transformers is basically West Side Story. It is. <laughs> Shout out to Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Shia. Oh, Shia. Anyway... On another note, Allie, would you date any of the assholes in this movie? No. Really? No, thank I don't I You wouldn't even date Chino? I would date Chino. I would date Chino, actually. I would date Chino. I think I would I think date I would. I think I would date Chino. I would date Chino or Tony, probably. You love Tony. Listen, Maria is so beautiful, and I know that's not really his singing voice, which blew oh, my mind. Okay, because we, his lip sync is so good, I thought it was his voice. I thought, because we all knew Natalie Wood did not do the singing for this movie. Correct. I thought he did the singing for Tony. No. No. No, totally different. His lip syncing is very good. I will say it's never more evident that she is not actually singing than an I Feel Pretty. Because I'm like, oh boy. What? <laughs> Yeah. That's not you, babe. She, here's no. the thing. She's dancing wonderfully, and it's very cute, and she's performing it, but it's one of those where it's like, that's, that's not you. You want to see a great lip-syncing performance? Angela Bassett and What's Love Got to Do With It. Yes. Phenomenal. She studied every way. Like, you want to talk about someone studying the way someone moves and the way they sing? Like, Part of the reason why she's such so good at lip syncing is because she focused on the way Tina 
Tina Turner, by Tina, the way. Tina Turner, Tina Turner sings the way she moves her mouth, the way she holds her body. Like Truly an amazing character study. Oh, That's phenomenal. some good-ass lip-syncing. Also, but also, Tony, some great-ass lip-syncing. Great-ass lip-syncing. Another great lip-syncing job is uh, Jennifer Lopez and Selena. Yes, that's true. Um, also. <laughs> what if this podcast just became rep- recommending lip-sync performances? <laughs> So we've established who we would date. Um, uh, do you believe that they live in the apartments they live in? Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I fully do. Um, Outfits you liked. Oh, anything Rita Moreno wore. I mean, she, she was looked just, so good. She looked, part of it, it may also just be that it was Rita Moreno. So like, stunning. She's so beautiful. Um, the, all the ways that they, the costumes in this movie were great, particularly like something we noticed in, um, the dance when they're all at the big dance, um, the way that the jets dressed as opposed to the way the sharks dressed, and specifically the way the dresses were cut for the women. Yes, because the jets it, at the dance, the girls who are dating the jets all have very like angular. They're very like sort of stark, almost square like cuts. Yeah, the necklines are very noticeable, and mm-hmm. the way that the dresses are cut, it's. Um, it's called like a mermaid or a trumpet fit where oh. it's very fitted to the body. And then as soon as it hits the hips, it flares out. Mm-hmm. Whereas the sharks and the women that the sharks are dating are all dressed in very vibrant colors mm-hmm. and they have a much more flowy dress. So when they spin, mm-hmm. it's very reminiscent of tango. Yeah. This movie has a lot of, and I know this is sort of like, duh, it, but, uh, but it's a great way. It's a great example of all the different, facets that go into telling a story, uh, specifically in filmmaking. And I know it's every part of it matters, and this is a great example of all of them working together to tell a specific story. So the costumes are reflecting, are better helping tell the story. The lighting is helping tell the story. Um, the choreography, the way the, the way the set is designed, the way the set is lit, all of these things the things that aren't dialogue, and even the dialogue is not exposition heavy, it's which all, is really refreshing. It's all clearly very deliberate, yes. which is both a positive because when it's when it works, you're like, oh great, but also the de- like the deliberate nature also forces you to be like, oh, you deliberately painted this person brown, yeah, to avoid casting a brown person. Um, so that's the thing. Um, Again, not a perfect movie. No, um, but. but- the outfits were great. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't think I would wear anything. From I don't this. know if I would. This isn't. I don't want to insult myself. I don't know if any of them would celebrate my body. That's How about all right. that? Yeah, your vibe is much more eighties. I'm much more eighties than sixties. Yeah, I get that. Do you think this movie was romantic? Yeah, very actually. Even though I don't, like, even though it's like you guys are idiot teenagers, this is all in two days. What is wrong with you? It's very sweet. I believe that they like each other, and also the music. The music is um, helps feed the romance. Absolutely. Because you listen, to, like Maria is a beautiful song. You listen to Maria, and you're like, oh god, this little boy is really in love. I feel pretty. Is about it, someone who feels better about themselves because, because they're, they are they love, feel loved. Because they feel loved. Yeah. And so that helps it a lot, I think. I agree with you. I don't think this is a sexy movie. No. At all. No. It's 1961. <laughs> um, no one had sex then. <laughs> we, we are all in a simulation. <laughs> oh, we should watch The Matrix. That's not a romance. I know. And on that note, email us at hellnocast at gmail.com. Or follow us at hellnocast on Instagram. And Twitter. Once Twitter, like, unbans us. On uh, Twitter, because we didn't post for a while, Twitter is like, you guys are clearly terrorists. And we're like, what? We're not. We have literally, literally posted zero things, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to get Twitter to unlock the account. I think Twitter thinks we're a bot. Well, they did, but I've been in contact with them, and they're like, well, we'll think about lifting that. And I'm like, can you really, like not Twitter see that I just am lazy. Twitter does stuff like that, and then they also, when you report, like, Nazi comments, they're like, we really don't know what this is. We, is can you prove that this person is hateful? And you're like, excuse me? Read the tweet. Read the tweet, bitch. Uh, Twitter's anyway. a whole can of worms. But anyway, you can follow us on Instagram for sure at HellNoCast. We post, we will be posting there. We do post there. We love you. We love you. Follow us. Please follow us, because we do love you. But, um, Melanie, would you recommend this movie? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I would too. It's, it's a, a great fun, movie. It's a fun movie, especially if you are a musical theater dork. Oh my it's God. really, if really, you're a really, theater really nerd, fun. put this on, have some wine with your buddies, and dance around your apartment. There's also always snap fight each other. Someone who's like, I would love to play Maria. Don't you can't. Don't. Sorry. And you can't. there you have it. Sorry. <laughs> I meant like. White girls are always like, I would love to play Maria, but I can't. I'm like, oh, no, you'll have to settle for any other role in musical theater. It's nice to want to play the ingenue, but you are correct. There are 400 other ingenues they can do. Correct. Correct. God, why don't you go sing to... Actually, Defying Gravity is a fucking banger, so... (laughs) It's not a banger, but it's fun. It's a musical theater banger. God, I'm sorry. You've been trying to end this podcast, and I'm just happy to talk to Shut up, you dum-dum! I'm kidding. I love you. I love you too. Anyway. That was our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much. I'm Allie. I talked over you. That is okay. (laughs) We are both new to this medium, except I am not because I was a professional producer. Fuck all y'all. And I, I may be new. But that doesn't mean that my voice is not valid. That is true. But also shut up so we can end the podcast. All right. Love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. This was You Had Me at Hell No. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You Had Me at Hell No was recorded in Scoundrel and Scamp Theater in Tucson, Arizona. And Allie and I just want to thank the theater for allowing us to record there. Special thanks are also in order to Tiffer Hill, our engineer, for putting up with all of our shenanigans and making us sound fabulous as well as Bella Vanek and Lucille Petty for our theme song. Thank you, Bella and Lucille. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This is the part where we both do terrible Christopher Walken impressions. Thanks. (laughs) Now we need more. More of this talking and cowbell. I got a fever. What the the only prescription. You fully... Is more cowbell. What accent are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> You're just, this accent is so Welcome cl- to Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> and we will go to the Beyond. What? From this, Click. I haven't seen it. It's dumb. I haven't seen the movie Click. I love Adam Sandler. I didn't, I'm really learning this about you. I didn't know you loved Adam Sandler I do. Much. I do. I didn't know that.